This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the rant. Thanks for joining us. A little mid-season basketball we've got to talk about here at the, at the midpoint of the Big Ten season. So we'll talk about some football, some developments, uh, some good, some not so good. But let's start with basketball because we're in the basketball season. Uh, six and four at the Big Ten break. I think anybody would have signed for that. We would have certainly signed for it uh, given the toughness of the schedule, given the couple of quality wins that are a part of that six. Uh, I guess recency bias, one of the four didn't look so great. Their last game against Iowa. All right, let's start where you want to start, Brian. What what do you think about where this team is now after 10 games? And should Rutgers fans feel good about it? Absolutely. I mean, I think if you told, like you said, if you told people this in the preseason, that we'd be entering February and Rutgers would be soundly in the field as much as they'd like to worry about and come up with scenarios that they could maybe miss the tournament. Rutgers is going to make the tournament barring an absolute catastrophe. They're they're at that point in the tournament discussion. And if Purdue wasn't the wagon that it is barreling towards becoming one of the greatest teams in big 10 basketball history with one of the greatest players in college basketball of the last decade, Rutgers would be in the big 10 title race. Obviously the rest of the conference being as tight as it is makes top four projection tough because there's like seven teams that are within a game of Rutgers. But if they keep playing the way they do with the third most efficient defense in the country, and then they'll be fine. They'll be in the top four uh, and they'll be competing for a top four seed, which would bring Rutgers in the first round to Albany, New York. And if they win two games, they'll have the sweet 16 in Madison Square Garden. Can you imagine that? I'm still stuck on the I'm still stuck on the barreling toward the biggest, biggest Big Ten team of all time. I can't wait till that Purdue team, by the way. And I've watched them. They're good. I can't wait till that Purdue team is sitting there in the second round, life and death against some. 10 in some 10 win SEC uh, team. <laughs> like, give me, give me the team. I'm what about the St. Peter's Peacocks, baby. St. Peter's team. Anyway, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. To your point, though, yes, Rutgers, I see what you're saying about that. I, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the, 
blanket here. I'm going to be the bucket of cold water on this, though. That Iowa game does, when you watch the Iowa game, you've seen them lose that game now twice. You've seen them lose with the, they. I mean, as great as a defensive team, we call them a great defensive team, leaving the three-point shot open constantly. Teams hit those shots. I mean, Iowa, it's not just, Iowa's not the only team that shoots a bunch of threes and, win, and wins games like this. You know, I mean, I just, I've seen this script a bunch of times now where, these guys are open. They're hitting them. It's not a fluke. I, I just wonder if this, if we have found the type of team that is Rutgers' Achilles heel, Pat. I mean, am I, am I sounding the alarms too much? You're not. You're right. It's a tough matchup across the board, the way Iowa brings the length. They pass the ball really well, and they shoot the ball really well. So you're right. It is a little bit of an Achilles heel when teams can – any. Forget about the the name on the jersey. When a team shoots that well from three, they're going to win no matter what. Uh, it's just the fact of life. So I think that uh, when you run into a team like that in the tournament, it's it's definitely dangerous. And you're right; it is uh, it is definitely concerning. There's only one Iowa in the Big Ten, but there are plenty of teams like that across the country. All right, I, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I get it, but this week. It's. It, I guess you could still it, a loss on the road to Iowa. Obviously, it didn't hurt Rutgers at all. They dropped from twenty to twenty-one in the net last time I looked. I don't know if they move went down further since then. Brian, you did a good story in the NCAA probability, putting at ninety-nine percent. I guess now we're looking at seeding. When you look at the final ten games of this year, what is the most realistic record for this team? What would be the the baseline record, and what would be the baseline seed? I mean, you you think we're looking now, right now? They are playing in that six seed territory, or is it even higher than that? Yeah, I would say that's probably a good place to realistically aim for. Uh, the way that Brad Wachtel, who does a great job with bracketology, uh, the way he put it to me is essentially they're holding serve at home. They have to win their next five home games. They have to absolutely beat Minnesota, who stinks. The way that Purdue is one of the greatest, Minnesota is one of the worst. Eddie Jordan territory, they stink. Wow, Eddie you Jordan can't... territory. You Who's the coach have... out there? Who did you just Who did you just slap the Eddie Jordan? Ben Johnson. Him? That's probably a bit harsh, to be fair. He's recruiting a lot better than Eddie Jordan, and he looks like he actually coaches rebounding. So maybe I'm being a bit mean, but <laughs> they're bad. They stink. Rutgers cannot lose to them on Wednesday at all, because if they do, they're dropping from a five-seed projection to a seven-seed projection. You beat Minnesota twice. You beat Nebraska. You beat uh, the other, you know, borderline Q three teams in Wisconsin. Uh, uh, sorry, the other borderline Q three team in Michigan, who is also having a disaster of a season. Um, you win the games you should, and then if you pull out uh, two of two wins in these in these next three games against Michigan State at Madison Square Garden, at Illinois, and at Indiana, you win two of those three games, you're starting to dream about a top four seed. And like I mentioned, the aforementioned dream Madison Square Garden scenario. Um, so Rutgers is in good shape now, as long as it doesn't do what it hasn't done all season, which was a big issue last year, if it doesn't lose games to teams it shouldn't. The way they play, the defense they play, gives them a pretty high floor to not do that. I agree with you guys on the three-point thing. That's kind of just the way college basketball is. Rutgers has gotten a bit unlucky in three-point shooting against Michigan State. It got unbelievably lucky against Penn State, which is the best three-point shooting team in the in the Big Ten that looked like they couldn't hit a shot if they spent the whole night in the gym for uh, against Rutgers on Tuesday. Uh, and then you saw what happened on Saturday against Michigan. They just absolutely blew the doors off them. Penn State did. So sometimes you got to get lucky in th- uh, from three-point defense. And the issue that I would be more concerned with is that Rutgers just can't keep up offensively in a shootout because they're not that talented offensively, especially when Cam Spencer is in the slump that he's in. So uh, that w- that's the, that's where the alarm bells are ringing in my head. Um, but 
you know, when it's tournament time, all you really need to do is show up for, you know, a month long stretch. Uh, but that's also the gift, the blessing and the curse of, of single elimination games uh, in a tournament. I think, as you mentioned before, you could ask Purdue, they're way better than St. Peter's, but all you need to do is show up for one night and, uh, and you win and you advance. Sort of fascinating thing about Spencer. So 21 points in the last three games, it feels like big 10 teams have, have sort of decided he's not going to beat them. Now that's okay. When and you wrote a nice story about Andre Hyatt, Pat, who's embraced that six man role who came in and, was just in fuego. It's just kind of funny yeah. when he, because I still feel, and this is awful, but I love the kid. Every time he pulls up a shot, I'm like, oh, and I just completely <laughs> wrong because he, he nails them. He nails them. But that entire game was like, oh, that's right. He's, he is leading this team. So I give him credit for being Andre high, highlight against Penn State. But yeah, I mean, someone's got to pick up the scoring when Cam Spencer is not doing it. And it's kind of been, that's, he's kind of not been doing it the last, last three games. Yeah. It's a bit concerning. Uh, I think a lot of people feel the way you feel about Andre Hyatt. He catches, he shoots, and and everyone kind of holds their breath for a hot second. Um, but maybe that's him learning the role a little bit as a six man. Like you don't have to be this right. jack the ball up type scorer, but when Rutgers needed him against Penn State, he certainly lived up to the the billing and and got really hot and and blew that door. You know, knocked that knocked that door down. Andre Hyatt. Peichel said that he thinks he's one of the best six men in the country, which Peichel doesn't talk about his players at all. So for him to say that, I thought was really high praise and and something uh, noteworthy. I will all say right. what, what they what they do want to say about Andre Hyatt. Everyone else holds their breath. That man has no hesitation. No, he doesn't. I love it. I respect that. I just it's great. No, he doesn't care. It's great. There was one shot he took against Iowa. That I, I don't know. If one percent of basketball players in the country would take it, and he took it like he was Steph Curry, wide open, <laughs> facing the basket, on it was incredible. Uh, so what I, he he has a I, I agree with you guys. His his usage rate is very high. He takes a lot of shots when he's on the floor. Right, probably three or four too many. But goddamn, if he if he doesn't think everyone is going in, so that's uh, that. if, that's if you're gonna be like that, you need the confidence that he has. Yeah, right. and and speaking of that confidence too, there was a really good stat in that Penn State game. He was something like zero for twenty one from the floor in the five halves before he went on fire against Penn State. Wow. So just like as yeah. old as you could possibly be to turning it on and catching fire. So you just hope that one of those big games that Andre Hyatt has one of those fire type games and and really picks it up in in a spot that maybe Cam Spencer isn't playing well or someone else yeah. isn't playing well. And it might be so dramatic, guys, because the the rest of the team is the exact opposite with that. Like they will not take a shot unless it's like you know in the in the diet good shot definition of good shot in the book, right? So I guess that's that's probably part of the reason why we look at it and and uh, are so uh, are so jarred by it. All right, let's look at the last ten. You're right, Brian. I think uh, six is certainly a reasonable number, but there's a lot of ifs in there. Like six if. You beat Michigan, but they never beat Michigan. They've never beaten Michigan, right? So that's a big if. Six, if you win at Penn State, I don't know that that's a that that's a that's a that's not an easy place to play. Um, yeah, and then then you got at Indiana and at Illinois. Those are the two I think that are the keys here because they're the teams now you're tied with in the standings. The teams you're competing for for that double buy, uh, and they're both playing great, right? I mean, just. So size is up to me. Where are you? Oh, at Wisconsin. I forgot. That's exactly not exactly an easy place to play either. So yeah, six is tough. Penn State, tough place to play. First time those two words have ever been uttered. Ever. Well, I, I mean, it, looking it at them right now, you, you feel good about that? A tough place to wrestle. A tough place to wrestle. Is that a, I, is that a toss up? Is that a, is that a Rutgers favorite that game? Right no, now? Penn State will be favored. They're, 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 when they're shooting the ball as well as they could, 
when they're not shooting 15% on threes, they're a tough matchup to beat. I, I agree with you. I would say, again, the, the easy games are easy. Minnesota twice, Nebraska, those games you should right. really dominate. And Northwestern at home. You should beat Northwestern at home. Yes. Northwestern's good, man. They're good. But you should beat Northwestern at home. You should beat them. They're not as good as their record. I agree. I don't think. I beat them on the road. You should beat them at home. I think they're good. I think you're right also that you should beat Northwestern at home. I just think they're uh, you know, a tier or two above the Nebraska, Minnesota. Of course, world. right. But that's your uh, six-point favorite, not a 16-point favorite in that game. Yeah, that's fair. I would say the best opportunity they have at getting a big win, a ne- not necessarily a needle-moving win, but a win that really would help their resume, is against Michigan State because it's technically a neutral site game, and they're going to have, you know, five to one ratio of fans in there. I know yeah. fans are complaining a lot about the game, not being at the rack. They're losing a quote unquote home court advantage. I still think there's going to be a healthy amount of them there and they can take advantage of, of the premier location. Uh, and then listen, Rutgers has had Indiana's number for a long time. Trace Jackson Davis is playing like the second best player in the big 10 uh, behind Zach Eady. He's just been an absolute monster. That will be a tough game, but if Rutgers can continue that domination, that's a big time Big time win that can help the resume because they're. I mean, Illinois is gonna be a tough place to win. They've never won there. Uh, they got dudes that can make it really tough on Rutgers defense. The the the, the absolute minimum, like the absolute bare minimum, is four wins, and then right. from right. there, you and uh, Michigan I think is a little Michigan is a little softer than you give it because they look like they've quit, and Wisconsin looks horrendous. And so four wins, you're still a, you're still an eight nine seed at four wins. Yeah, and then if you win the two other games against Michigan and Wisconsin that you should. You're probably uh. Seven six, and then if you win two of those three right. games against Michigan State, Indiana, Illinois, you're in that four five range. So probably a little early to kind of be dialing in on seeds, but I think that's kind of what the picture looks like at this point. Hey, Brian, right. what determines? Sorry, Steve. What determines whether you're in the East or West? How does that get sorted out? The way I understand it is that if you get a top four seed, it's quote unquote protected. So they'll do their best to put you in the geographically favorable gotcha. region that you don't travel as much and then aside from that it's really just like they they see teams like they they, they do teams like one two three four five six and then you kind of just fall into whatever seed line that is and then they just determine where each team and each seed line goes it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle but if you get a top four seed you're you're more likely to get a favorable region that makes sense makes talk sense. about easy talk about easy columns if they're in a region with at the garden holy cow that's gonna be be home for dinner tonight honey Kind of calm. That'd be that'd be pretty it's easy. Like Duke UNC playing in Wilmington every year. <laughs> Greensboro, come on, Greensboro, yeah. and Greensboro's sorry. an option. Greensboro, we could be down in Greensboro. Let me tell you, I'll show you a good time in Greensboro. Wilmington. What am I saying? That's we'll have a we'll have a blast in the Gate City, which is what Greensboro is called. Okay, all right. Can we move on to true or false? We done we did enough basketball. I got one basketball topic and all football topics here in the true or false. All right, you guys ready? Let's go. I know you are. I know you are. All right, true or false. Minnesota will give Rutgers a huge scare on Wednesday night. Fonseca, you're not high in Minnesota. True or false? As much as the elements are going for them, Rutgers was in Iowa until yesterday because of plane issues, and it would just be so Rutgers for Minnesota to go off at, at the rack. I think they're so bad that nothing – you could give them six players on the court and they wouldn't win the game. So I will say false. Okay. Pat? I will say false as well. Right. I mean, that's totally, that's so totally well. going to happen. Yeah. That's true. Oh, that's going to happen. God. Come on. That's going to happen. You're not going to lose, though. but that's, that's good, gonna though. Happen. And we need a raucous rack. Be, our jersey it's going to be 20, 29, 27 at halftime. Uh, all right. True or false? Isaiah Pacheco holds the key for the Chiefs to beat the Eagles in Super Bowl, was it 57? 57? Yeah, I think so. 57. True or false? Brian, true or false? True. Pat? 
the key, false, but big part of it for sure. Part of it, man. I, I tell you, I just love the social media reaction to, to that, to him running the ball. People just discovered him in a meaningful way in that in that AFC Championship game. It was wild. Like, I mean, and he he looked great. Good stuff by him. All right, true or false? Nassim Brantley is the big time receiver this Rutgers offense needed to add through the transfer portal. Western Illinois edition, new receiver, big kid. True or false, Brian? Uh, he is a body they needed. They needed somebody to show up. But if he's the guy, uh, I'll say false for now. Pat? I'm going to go true. I think he's got the size and the speed and had a really nice game against Minnesota, which no one on Rutgers had against Minnesota last year. So I'm, I'm going to say true. Uh, I'm going to go false. I certainly saw the size, but I did not see the speed. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. All right. True or false? Anthony Johnson's dismissal is a devastating loss for this Rutgers defense. How bad is it, Brian? True or false? Uh, false. It's not devastating. I just think the fact they've had two kids dismissed for getting arrested in within a calendar year is a bit of a tough look. Um, not that they're connected and not that, you know, it should be a huge blemish, but I just don't think it's a, it's a great. Pat? I, linebacker depth was their biggest concern this past year uh i know it's a little bit better when you get those two guys back from injury but still i think it's i think it's a loss uh so yeah i'm I'm gonna say true maybe not devastating but definitely a loss yeah the, the word devastating is 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 a problem i'll go false that's devastating but certainly he would have been a depth chart player uh all right to your point brian anthony johnson's dismissal is a sign that rutgers culture is not working true or false is this a problem? Two of these in, in a year? Are you concerned about the culture? I'll, I'll go false. I think I think you know they, they seem to be isolated incidents. We'll look at uh, the reports mm-hmm. when we get them and see if it's. But I, I, I'll go false. I think it's a bit harsh to indict an entire program over the actions of a couple of players. Right, but Pat. Yeah, that was very well said. Yeah. Uh, I'll go false too. False. And it's and I, I will give I give Greg Shan a lot of credit with this stuff. I mean, there is no, there is no trying to. Let's 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 work with him. Let's let's hide it. If if it's something that he believes a violation of Tim rules, the kid's off the team. So I mean, give him credit that he does not he does not play around with this stuff. This this means a lot to him. He believes in culture, and and you're seeing it with 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 this this kind of action. All right, true or false? Dave Brock is a fine hire for wide receivers coach. Dave Brock, do we like that hire? Fonseca, true or false? True. I think it's kind of what my exact feelings were when I saw it. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Pat. True. Experienced guy. They went to they every hire they've made is all about experience. So I'm going to go true. All right. For the sake of discussion, I'll go false. Nothing against Dave Brock, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and finally, finally, the next offensive line coach at Rutgers University will be, will be, drum roll please, will be Kyle J. Flood. True or false, Brian, on the spot. Is this all setting up to bring back Kyle J. Flood? Tell me it is. Go ahead. Say true, Brian. Do it. Every every bone Do in it. my body really is praying that it's false. I can't go through that circus. So false. Oh, okay. Let's Pat. go true. Let's no, you're, no you are going true. Let's yes. go true. Let's talk about ah, it. Look, all right. So it's not going to happen. But I will say this. I will say this. If you like the fans have conspiracy theories, like, 
that, that this is a this is a media Steve Politi in my it's in my head conspiracy theory. I wasn't going to talk about it, but the it's gone out long enough now that I'm like, all right. So what would be taking so long? And you you know that what's what's the what's the ESPN basketball writer's name? NBA guy who did the with the fingers pointing up. Yeah, yeah. You know uh, what I'm talking about? Yeah, windhorse? I, yeah, 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 yeah. Windhorse. Like I'm doing my own windhorse here. You can see me at my office. I'm doing my own windhorse about this. Like, why would it take so? So why would you hire? Two guys who have worked with Kyle Flood, and then you're going to hire Dave Brock, who kind of he followed Kyle Flood in a couple of places. And you need an offensive line coach, and you need someone with a history of rebuilding an offensive line. I mean, you can't hire Kyle Flood. I get it. You can't. That can't happen. But it's still, there had been a moment where I was sitting there, is this really building toward Kyle J. Flood? That'd be something, right? Man. That would be. Wow. Why, why would Kyle Flood to get demoted? from an offensive coordinator to offensive line and go back to a place well, where he had one of the most embarrassing scandals. <laughs> okay. That's a great question, but I have the answer to that because he still has a house down the shore. His wife lives still. I mean, I think they still live. I've kept that house. He has not resettled his entire family to Texas. So then it would be coming home. Rutgers is now paying. I mean, they're paying Dave Brock a half a million dollars. I don't know what Kyle Flood makes. Certainly he's got to be doing pretty well as offensive coordinator at Texas, but it's not like you're coming back here for, you know, a buck two fifty. You're coming back here for some real money. I, not, I, mean, I don't know what the cost of living is in Texas, but I have to imagine the 1.2 million or whatever he's making at Texas yeah. Will go a lot further than the eight hundred thousand or whatever he'll make here. This uh, is true. He, he could buy three point? new shore houses with the Texas money. This is all. These are all great. This is all good counter arguments. It's not going to happen. But still, but still, again, again, it's just my own little conspiracy right, I theory. Love it. I love they're waiting. They're waiting. They're going to announce it. They're going to wait until I'm. Uh, so I'm going to put it out there. I'm on a plane to Arizona for the Super Bowl at ten forty two a.m. on Monday. If this comes out, if this is released. At 1047 on Monday, you know that the, the politi conspiracy theory, this is there. This is what's happened. All right. I can't wait to read that 1200 word column you have in the. <laughs> Sorry, I've already written it. I'll just send it from the plane. I'm kidding. Of course not. It's not going to happen, but it's fun to, you know, again, fun to speculate. All right. Dave Brock is my only thing about Dave Brock. Extremely experienced guy, worked with receivers. You look at his resume, and Jimmy Gill did a great job putting out the guys he's worked with in the NFL. Give him credit for that. He's a developmental guy. Rutgers needs to develop these players. But my my only thought about this is that that position, wide receivers coach, is typically a young guy who can relate to the players, who can recruit. And I, that's not Dave Brock by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't know. I do know, like, I, I do strongly believe Rutgers' offensive line problems is a development thing. I, I still think the, the receiver problems is, is a personnel thing. I just don't think they have them in the program, or at least we haven't seen them in the program. Maybe they're bringing new guys in. Maybe this Brantley kid is the key. Maybe there's, I know there's a couple, there's a guy in the recruiting class they like a lot. I don't, that's my only thought was like, that's a position typically where you want someone who can get players. Fair, fair point, fair point. And you're right. But they, they went that route with, with Nunzio and Augie Hoffman trying to bring in these young guys to, to relate yeah. to kids. And what, what did that get them? That's Nothing. a great point. So, That's so a great point. I yep. think they're, they've learned their lesson there and ex- they're going to go with the experience route and, and hope that right. experience trumps all. And it seems, it seems obvious that Brantley waited to see who was going to be hired there before making the decision to come here as well. So perhaps that's, you know, that he might've already recruited one player for all we know. So, we will never speak to Dave Brock. Will we ever speak to Dave Brock? No. We will. Spring we will. spring practices. Spring practices. Okay. Excellent. Well, 
you'll be down there to ask that question. Speaking of Brantley, uh, Pat talked to a couple of people close to him. I'm curious what his takeaways were from that. You know, what, what do you, what did you think out of talking to those people? That's why I'm kind of high on him. I mean, I talked to his biggest supporters, which always kind of blurs your perception of someone. But I, I just think that he got his big chance at, like, they didn't throw the ball much at Sacred Heart. So he didn't do a whole lot at Sacred Heart. But went to Western Illinois and had this monster season. And I just think that with his size, he looks a lot like Sean Ryan. And I think he can kind of just, that Rutgers recruited him to fill that fill that role. So my perception is that I think he's going to step in immediately and be at least a starter and, and, and contributor and hopefully be one of the, one of the big uh, play guys. It has to be a starter, right? I mean, who else? Yeah, give, give me the, give me the wide receiver depth chart right Chris now. Long, like, Chris Long, who had a Chris Long, decent, yep. decent year, but outside of that, they lost Sean Ryan, Aaron Crookshank and their Shamin Jones. So, I mean, they lost right. their three, three top receivers, not to, you know, and Johnny Langan should be back at tight end, but and and Kanupka, but they're really really desperate for receivers, so it has he has to be a guy. Is there anybody at the edge of that roster who we didn't see that that's going to be the guy too that we that that's out there? Todrick loves Fama Torre from Irving. Yes, he does love rookie. Fama Torre. Right. So little Kenny Britt, as he's been described many times. <laughs> we'll see if if that lives up to the hype on the brink. I don't know, Bry. You you got anyone? No, I mean, uh, they got to hope that the fifth year of Isaiah Washington is the one that the light bulb goes off, I guess. Maybe, yeah, maybe one of those freshman guys, Fama Ture, DeAndre Johnson, who's going to be the tallest wide receiver in college football if he stays at wide receiver. But oh. I think, I think, you're good. And Rashad Rochelle, I could see moving back. Oh, right. Super out, yeah. of, out of need. Oh, forget it. No, he, uh, he's going to, he's going to be the Wildcat quarterback for 15 to 20 <laughs> snaps a game. I've, I'm sorry. I've seen that script. Fifteen. It's gonna be. It's gonna be ten in the first game, and by the by week by week ten by week ten or eleven, it's gonna be twenty five snaps a game. But anyway, yeah. So he'd be. Yeah, he he's got some shifty moves. He'd be a good slot guy. Absolutely. Yeah, you would I think. Th- I think their best wide receiver is somewhere on another team's roster, waiting to enter the portal after spring camp, and uh, they'll pick him up because I just can't imagine. Because if this is if this is it, if this is all the wide receivers they're rolling into the twenty three season with, it's gonna be a long year for Kirk Shiraka. All right. This is a good transition. So our first question, insider questions, let's take some of those. Thank you guys for subscribing to our texting service. Peter in Palm City, Florida. Peter, a loyal reader. This is funny to start about Peter. Peter texted me, emailed me an offensive line prospect. He said, you need to get this kid. This is kid in Florida. You need to get this information to the Rutgers coaching staff that this is a real prospect. I don't, I don't have the... the kid's name in front of me. So I had, so I did, I, I was the middleman here and this kid because this is the next blind side. The helix is coming. That's right. Ground is broken. Foundations are being laid and the plans are being realized. For those that have not yet heard, the Helix is a new innovation district in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Smack dab in the middle of the Northeast Corridor, the Helix is a place for innovators to gather and innovation to take action. It offers a range of physical environments, a vibrant innovation community, and a strategic central location in close proximity to New York, Philly, Boston, and DC. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments, creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others are already signing up to call the Helix home. 
Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is coming. Visit helixnj.com to learn more. Whoever this kid, I'm going to write this kid's name. If this happens, if he's on the roster, if he's recruiting class, I'm going to ask Greg Schiano. Uh, uh, Greg, how'd you find out about that tackle from Florida? I'm going to take some credit for it. Anyway, all right. All right so Peter from Palm City, Florida wants to know, is it concerning that only addition to our offense is a wide receiver from an 0-11? I didn't realize that. 0-11 subdivision school, not a Porter quarterback in sight. Do Greg and Kirk Shiraka know something all of us don't? You talked about it a little bit, Brian. I mean, I guess we're waiting for things to shake out after the in the spring now. Is that? I guess that's the next time we'd see movement. I mean, it can't, this can't be it. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I, I would be shocked if this is it. They need at least one more wide receiver, maybe two, at least one tight end, uh, probably uh, an offensive lineman or two, a tackle, a guard. They need a lot, a lot of help. I think quarterback of all of them is probably the last position they need to bolster alongside running back just because you know, I don't care if Tom Brady's there. He has no one to throw to. Like, who cares who's throwing the ball if there's no targets? Um, so I think they really need to uh, attack the portal there after, uh, after spring. That's when there's the second portal window that opens for about 15 days. And a lot of players who realize that they don't have a spot on their current depth chart leave. And they always seem to find a guy or two in the summer out of nowhere. That seems to be a Greg Schiano special. Um, so there's still plenty of time. Uh, but there's also plenty of need, and I think they really, they really, really, really need some help. Pat, do you think that this this is obvious that we're headed to, we're headed to the point they're going to, or are you convinced that maybe they're not going to? I mean, what what what's your thought? No, I think they'll add some more after spring. I agree with Brian. I think they'll add some more, but I I think that we're we're heading towards an offense that is very predictable. That it's going to be a run heavy, just like it was at Minnesota last year, and hope that the right. quarterback and receivers can just make enough plays. So. They're not going to be relying on the past. They're going to be relying on Sam Brown and Kyle Manungai. So I think uh, people need to uh, pump the brakes a little bit on the personnel because the personnel that they have in place for the offense is there, I think. Dial dial back the expectations on the passing game, which is yeah. an excellent point. Uh, all right. We had a lot of fun questions. We didn't have a lot of questions. We had a lot of, a lot of fun questions. I love this one from Mike and Maple Shade. Uh, it's Empire State Building official. New York City and North Jersey now belong to Philadelphia. And you got an eagle emoticon, eagle emoji, a green dot emoji, and a, a boxing glove emoji thrown in here. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. Uh, but just for our, our own humor, would you guys say Rutgers is located in Eagles country or disputed Giants country territory? This is a this is a great question because at a certain point in my life, anything below like Cranford was South Jersey. Like if you went, if you, if you got. Ah. If you cross the Raven Bridge, you you might as well be in Delaware, where I grew up in Nutley, North Jersey. So, but I've come, of course, uh, I've evolved a little bit that I have to think that that Piscataway in New Brunswick is disputed Giants territory. Brian, you were there. Do you disagree with this? I mean, you guys, Pat, you were there. What do you think? I think Pat would have a better grasp on this than me. I've always felt like it was disputed, but I'm not a Giants or Eagles fan, so I never got into any heated debates either way. Uh, Pat, what do, what do you think? My friend's group at Rutgers was was split 50-50 because half wow. of us were from South Jersey and half were from North Jersey. It wasn't like they were local kids from dead center New Jersey. But I would I would tend to, if I'm saying people in the city of New Brunswick, getting very technical here, 
I would say that's still a little bit too north for the Eagles line. Like, I think that's the the Burlington County cutoff is the real Eagles territory. Okay, interesting. All right, that's that's really that's way down there, right? Yeah, Burlington County. Burlington, yeah. Another one of those counties that I just assume is way down there because I don't. It is. It I is. don't know exactly where it, it is. Better. So yeah, okay, Burlington, oh, Burlington County. That's South Jersey. Ooh. All right, good answer. Appreciate it. So we don't know the answer now. I think talking. Maple Shade is in Burlington County, where Mike is from, who asked the question. All right, the uh, next question, budget question. In light of your report on Rutgers' athletic budget, what is holding back Rutgers from wiping away the eternal debt athletic owes? <laughs> I, I said, it sounded like I said eternal debt. It's actually internal debt. Rutgers Athletics owes to the university, but eternal seems to work as well. Brian, you did our annual budget story. And as usual, we had like five or six fans flip out. Just we, so we put this out there. We're not the only one to write this. I mean, I spent like, that week, I read one from UCLA. I read one from Ohio State. I mean, I, every there's there's all sorts of financials reporting this time of year. Rutgers, give me us, give me the 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 quick overview of of Rutgers's financial picture right now. And what do you think about the debt question? I read the Ohio State one. They made record profit or record revenue. I think that's maybe why the Ohio State fans are complaining as much as Rutgers fans and why they don't think the Columbus Dispatch hates Ohio State like they think we hate <laughs> Rutgers. Maybe if Rutgers made a little bit of money, people would be like, wow, thank you for writing this beautiful article about Rutgers, no, Brian. The moment, yeah, that, well, that's the moment we'll stop writing the story, right, Brian? We would never write a story about them making record profit. Of course, that would go against our anti-Rutgers agenda. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're it's the sixth year in a row. I think they've broken a record for the most uh, money they've spent on athletics. I don't think that's particularly bad because they're trying to one they're probably underfunding athletics compared to their big 10 peers in the first place and uh, they're just trying to catch up and two they're going to receive significantly more funding from the big 10 now that they've signed this you know billion dollar deal they already i think they they made 33 million on media rights this past year that's going to double by 2024 i you know the, the issue is they're just not making enough money back right just uh, right on. that's the whole problem Yep. But but I have no I have no issue with the spending because if you're going to you know go all in on big time athletics if you're going to try to compete in the Big Ten you have to spend this money the the issue is a lot more on the um, the revenue side than the expenditure side I would say you have to spend you have to spend we have to spend well and it is and it, again it is like why do we report it because it's fascinating one just and I, I I agree I don't think you shouldn't look at increased spending as a bad thing necessarily and I. I I did, I did the math on this and I tweeted it when they hired Shiraka, they were paying Shiraka and Gleason two offensive coordinators as much money as Chris Ash had in his entire salary pool for offensive co- coaches when he got hired. That to me is I've, granted salaries were up across the board. I get it across the country. So it's a different, it's not, it's apples and oranges. I get it to a degree, but to a certain point, there's also, I mean, wow. I mean, Rutgers is in the deep, deep end of the pool now. I mean, they're, they have a $1.4 million offensive coordinator. They have a $500,000 receivers coach. The idea that they are not investing in sports is just false. It's, it's, it's over, right? They're pouring money into it. Now the question is, are they, are they spending well enough to win? That's the question. I mean, there's no, there's no more excuses anymore. You can't say, well, underfunded, or no, you don't have the facility, like all this stuff. No, I mean, that, no, that's, that's the money's there. I mean, they're still like compared to their big 10 peers. I haven't looked at the whole thing, but Greg Shiano is still one of the lowest paid coaches in the big 10, right? Um, this is true. Their, their assisted coaching pool. I Shraka is making, I think he's in the top half of big 10 coordinators at this point, but by a year or two, is he going to be in the bottom half just because of, like you said, the way salaries are moving? I think Rutgers is at best just keeping up with the Joneses here because this is the direction that things are headed. Um, I think 
Dave Brock at 500K might be a bargain, you know, within a year or two when that big TV money explodes. And to your point about the internal debt, I forgot to answer that part of the question. Someone came up to me at the rack the other day, unsolicited, and asked me that same question. And I don't know, uh, maybe uh, I, I, this is just pure brain, my, me racking my brain. I don't think it would be great PR if, you know, the headline, Rutgers forgives millions of dollars in debt to the athletic department. I think the, the people in the uh, teaching side of things that are already pretty peeved off uh, would not like that. Um, yeah, but that's really but all the of their departments. None of their departments make money either. Like, Yes, but we don't need to get into the debate of, I, okay, <laughs> of spending here because we could spend a whole podcast. I'm just saying what they would say, right? Um, they would. I, I, I think it's probably a hurdle that should be overcome because you got to rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not in Jonathan Holloway's position. And although he has been very supportive of, of athletics, um, but that's just kind of my guess at what is happening. I do think they, they probably should. All right. Here's a question from Jeff Steer directed. It begins, hi, Lanny. So I guess this is for you, Pat. Can Rutgers lacrosse fans expect lacrosse coverage from you this season? Please, pretty please. Are you a lacrosse guy? Who's going to do lacrosse? This is a good question. Fonseca, you've done lacrosse the last couple of years. Are you seeding lacrosse? You can't give up lacrosse. Lacrosse is good. all Lanny's. Wow. I, I, will, wow. I will do the gracious thing and give up the the I'll, I'll be a very light beat of only covering lacrosse games when they make the final four, uh, but that's all Lanny's if he wants it. Yeah. Well, Brian's done after his, uh, what was it? An eight hour experience at the final four. <laughs> the rain what delay. happened again? The rain delay. That's right. delay. That's right. I love that. Holy cow. The text we were getting that. Day. I love it's... this Jeff Steer because it's hilarious. Lacrosse is the one sport probably out of every sport ever in high school sports that I never covered. That's good. So I don't know where he's getting this from. Yep, apparently, Jeff has just high hopes for you in lacrosse. Right. I understand that. Totally. I'll get it. Let's get our uh, Fogo face-off get-off, and we'll face-off move on to the off. next one. They're going to the Final Four again. They have they've figured it out. Lacrosse has has cracked the code. They're they, they're not quite at the level where you can be Maryland, which is an absolute juggernaut. But I'm confident in Rutgers lacrosse. How you like that? From what little I know about it. They seem to figure it out. All right. I got to, speaking of things we haven't can't covered. can't wait to read all the polity columns on lacrosse this year. All of them. Every I do one. Like, I do one a year. I've done like one a year. Yeah. But Jeff Steer wants them every week, Steve. Come on. I got, yeah. I don't have I, that. I need a he didn't know. Wait. Excuse me. Jeff Steer did not. He did not ask if I was going to write more columns about Rutgers lacrosse. He asked specifically <laughs> if Pat was going to cover them. That's a different question. He took that as a given. He said, I know Steve's going to write columns. Oh, I, you, don't, what do you I don't think the I lacrosse season opens February 4th, if I'm correct. Oh, right. Boy. With, I, better get, I better get my preseason coverage ready. With final four expectations, you've only got like you've got five days. I know. I <laughs> I, I need Pat with to the way, to with the way wrestling's going. With the way wrestling's going, I think it's time to jump ship. <laughs> ah, wow. We were saving wrestling for the very end, but since you brought it up, what's going? What what is going on? What is going on? What uh, happened? God, what uh, is going on with the wrestling team? Here's the crazy part. No, really, what's going on? I have no 25. idea. They're still in the top 25. No, they're not. How many teams are there? 28? <laughs> they're number 23. 25. They may fall out this week, but we give basketball 45 minutes of the podcast, and they're not even ranked. Rutgers wrestling is still ranked. Do you think do you think Scott wants do you think Scott Goodell would like us to spend 45 minutes on this <laughs> podcast about this team right now? Is that what you think? No, absolutely not. What's uh, the problem? Been... What ha- they lost to Northwestern. I've just Googled it. They lost to Northwestern. First okay, time. Nor- Northwestern is is good. They're no, good they're teams. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Okay, all right. 
Save it for the end, and I'll tell you about Northwestern. No, I don't. We're, we're, we're there now. They're it's good. too late. I don't All want right. to hear that. Right. Just don't crack me with the Northwestern has been building a senior-laden team for the last four years. They okay. won the Midland Championships. They won the Midland Championships, Brian. They did. I had no idea. They did. They okay. did. All right. They're a good team. They have. They have probably they have four guys that are all Americans on that team, including a national title contender. They're a legit good team. So don't look at the Northwestern one as like this horrible loss. Indiana, horrible loss. This all comes back loss. to me. This all comes back to me. And this here, you want to hear here's my wrestling analysis. This all comes back to me when they have like what 10 way class? 10 mm-hmm. weight classes mm-hmm. and they have their two best wrestlers at the same weight. That to yes. me is yes. somebody who didn't, they, they, they have, they have a scale in there, right? They have a scale in the building. They do. They do. Am I wrong, they Brian? You'd be the scale. tiebreaker. Is that to me, that to me seems to be like an epic failure of, of, of recruiting. And then yeah. one of them are gone. Right? One of them left the program. The one, <laughs> the one who left the program was the guy who was, who, they, who, who was the position. Steve, right? You're just, you're just so off on all of this. You're just, just, uh, can we move on to women's basketball? No, I got, okay. 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 What right, happened? Okay. The two guys at the same weight, you've got the two best guys in New Jersey, the past previous two seasons, right? It just happens. They're at the same weight. <laughs> all right. Pounds different. It's like six pounds. Penn State. Ha- Someone Penn have State. a hamburger. Move up a weight. Penn State, the number one team in the country probably has six guys that are the same weight class. And five of them won't wrestle. That's just the way it goes. Okay. That's how you. That's how you All build right. teams and programs. Some of them, eventually, they'll move weights. Probably, and the one that did leave, Sammy Alvarez, is not that weight. He is. He was a different weight class. Okay. And All and right. so I got that wrong. And and subsequently, the guy that has filled in for Sammy Alvarez has been probably better than Sammy Alvarez was. So really, Alvarez actually, hasn't really huh. lost anything there. Yeah. Okay. Joey so, Olivieri. I love to watch Pat just like take out the flames that Steve is putting up about wrestling. Just put out fake trying. news in fake the most confident news. way totally. possible. It's hilarious. I mean, holy cow. I just got that completely wrong. Apparently. This is my favorite segment. It's Steve Googles wrestling five seconds before asking Pat about it and then acting like the, the Shane Sparks on the podcast. People, I will say people are angry. I don't Shane know Sparks. that. I don't know that to be no, true. Are people listen, angry? People are very angry. And, and are they? They were in the rust in the Rutgers wrestling fan group on Facebook. Someone posted the other day SOS, and it was a thread of like fifty comments. How could we lose to Northwestern? This season's such a failure. And to their point, to their point, this is probably a down. This is a down year. I will say that it's a down year because they don't have an absolute stud. There's no you don't look at one guy on the team and say, OK, this is Anthony Ashnault or Nick Soriano or Sebastian Rivera the last couple of years. They just don't have a guy of that caliber. They have a lot of guys that are going to be NCAA qualifiers and they're going to have some guys that are going to be in contention to be all Americans. And and that's the kind of team they have. Just they don't have an absolute hammer, which is a wrestling term. If you don't know, yeah, I mean, I Steve. got that. Yes. Hammers yep, in, in wrestling, pounding nails in basketball. Yeah. Uh, Pat, do you think any of these tools. guys can make, do you think any of you guys can make a run in March that would kind of salvage the season? You know, cause I've read yeah. a guy making podium could kind of soothe, soothe things over. They have a seven year streak of having an all American, which is a top eight finish at the NCAA championships. And that I, I, it's very concerning that that streak may come to an end this year. I think they have the potential to have a, maybe one or two. Um, that would be Brian Saldano at 184. He's a true freshman, which would be incredible. 
he's one of those guys that you were talking about in the in the weight mix up, Steve. And then they have um three really good guys in the first three weights. So I'm I'm 50-50 on whether they're going to have an All-American. We'll see how the second half of the season goes. I will say this. For the Rutgers fans losing their mind over this, there is nobody in that building. I mean, nobody in that building with more chits in the in the, in the the pot than, than Scott Goodell. I mean, nobody. Like, he's got more job security than Shiano, than Pico. I mean, he's – forget it. The dude, they, the dude they, is bulletproof and should be. Yeah, Holy absolutely. Crap. What Absolutely. he did for that program when there was no when there was nobody with the underfunded, yeah, just they, they have the the I think the third highest attendance in all of college wrestling at at Jersey Mike's Arena, which is yes. incredible. He created that absolutely, yeah. So he's he can have a down year or two, and and it sounds like uh, there's still a top twenty five program in a down year, right? Well, which is yeah, which is crazy. The fact that people are upset is a good sign of. How sure. High program has been built. Um, so I guess they can take that as solace. Especially when we when we transition to women's basketball, where hey, they won three Big Ten games, and it's like it's an incredible season, right? I mean, yeah. this and this is a question for the pod. How about some? How about a little love for women's basketball? They are not big world beaters right now, but it's fair to say they have exceeded uh, expectations, to say the least. I thought uh, expect if you gave me the over under on one and a half, I was taking the under on how many games they would win somebody. And this, and this is not like, I'm not trying to be mean. Someone said to me early, early on, I got someone walked on me and said, you realize that the team only has eight players. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? They only have eight players. No, they only have eight players. Well, how is that possible? How do you only have eight players in the basketball team? They still only have eight players. And they've, I mean, I, I guess that's just, they've won three big 10 games. They're not in last place in the big 10. They're doing pretty, they're doing okay. So good, good job by uh, cook Washington. Yeah. Yeah, and the Big Ten is particularly strong this year. They have like three top 15 teams. Rutgers got a bit lucky, unlucky on C. Vivian's trigger day. They hosted Ohio State, which is top five. But they're beating teams that are at their level, which is a good sign, right? It, that's how you kind of start building a program is by beating teams that are lateral to you. So yeah, good for good, good for Coquiz. She is, uh, well, like you said, well exceeding expectations. That's all I have. Let me see. Any, oh, wait, yeah, that's all the questions I have. Let me just glance at the list pretty well. We didn't get a lot of questions this week, which is okay. Someone wants to know what's wrong with Kayla McConnell. I don't know that there's anything wrong with Kayla McConnell, Brian. Um, so what I gather from that question is that people are watching him struggle offensively. I, he never made the jump yeah. offensively that I think a lot of people hoped he would in the offseason, which is fine. You know, I I think that if you get the level of defense you get from him on a night night in, night out basis, then that his floor is, is good. I think, honestly, he should just stop taking as many shots as he does. He takes, uh, sometimes he'll go for a stretch of four or five shots in a row. Sometimes they're out of rhythm with the offense. Sometimes it disrupts the flow. I, I think that, and this is similar to the Cliff thing. Cliff wanted to shoot more three, shoot more mid-range shots. And he did earlier in the season to not great effect. He's four of 19 on the year on threes. That's 22%. Uh, and in the last two games, he's just been doing what he does best, getting deep post position, finishing around the rim, getting to the foul line, blocking shots defensively, getting rebounds. And I think if Caleb kind of takes shots within rhythm and gets to the rim, takes because he, he can hit a mid-range shot if he hits it within rhythm, I think that would be go a long way in fixing this offense's inefficiency. Uh, I think Paul Mulcahy said after the Penn State game, he told me that Cliff, when he does what he does best, when he does those things, doesn't shoot threes, he's he's dominant, right? So I think that the same could be said for Caleb. And I think Caleb is kind of suffering from his own success because while he's having, you know, a top, he's with top five defender in the Big Ten, 
he's not having as great a year as he did last year. And when you're the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, those are really high expectations. Um, but I do think he is, you know, obviously a great defensive player, a key cog in the best defense in the Big Ten, just not otherworldly like he was a year ago. Looking at those numbers, and I didn't realize it, 20.6% from three-point range, which is actually less than Cliff. I get certainly a few a less number of threes. But yeah, that's uh, 41.4 overall. Yeah, I mean, the numbers aren't great. Um, but he's, I mean, the least the, of things I worry about with that basketball team, he's not, he didn't crack the top 10. I mean, it doesn't, there's no, he'll be fine. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, I think when, when teams lose, people are trying to find any reason to uh, kind of nitpick. Um, I think it's valid. I do think that he's, he should shoot the ball less given those percentages. Um, but I think he made more than makes up for it on the other end. There we go. What do you got, Pat? Before I was we go, say we could bring this full circle. All right. He just needs to shoot with confidence like Andre Hyatt. There you go. He just needs to step up, take every shot available. Absolutely. Good job taking a full circle. All right. Let's sign up there. I have to make the Eagles interesting. What? Sorry, really quick. Um, The the Madison Square Garden thing on Saturday, the fact that the Big Ten is making Rutgers play there instead of the rack has has a lot of people in a tizzy. What is the reason for that? I don't even know the story there. Why they're playing at MSG? Yeah, what, why is the Big Ten? What is this? It's what part is of the this? Super Saturday deal that they've been doing. You know, okay. Rutgers played there a couple of times, Wisconsin, they played Michigan, and they were going to play Michigan State during the 2021 year. And then right. obviously COVID happened and that ruined all the scheduling. And this is just a rescheduling of that. Um, so it's just uh, Jim Delaney special, just the Big Ten trying to get more involved in New York and the Rutgers being New York's team, uh, or at least that's what it advertises to be. That's why they're there. Right. It's a good, so it's good for recruiting. I'm trying to, I just don't see, I get it. You're not playing in the rack, but you could have a bigger crowd there. It's still closer to home. I guess they they think, it, I, I don't know. I think it's a good thing. I don't, I don't see it like being a total bad thing. I get Michigan State. It's a team you'd rather have at the rack, I guess, but overall, eh, I don't. That's the argument. Wrong. They're, they're, they're upset that the Rutgers is losing a home game, losing the home court advantage. They point out that none of these other teams, Michigan State isn't playing anybody in Detroit. They're they're upset about that, and they're saying that Tom Izzo, when he heard he's playing Rutgers at Madison Square Garden and not the Rack, is uh, happy that he doesn't have to deal with that. So uh, I I agree with you. I think it's not a bad thing at all. I think it, it could be really beneficial. Obviously, playing at the Rack is better, gives them a better chance. But this is a unique opportunity, like you said. It's great recruiting. It'll get them some national pub because they're playing on Big Fox. And uh, I mean, it's not as great a commute for me, but I just hop on a train and go up. I mean, Pat, what do you, what do you think? You excited to hit up MSG and watch the Rutgers basketball at the the world's most famous arena? I'm I'm pumped. It's the opposite for me. I got a short commute. There you go. I won't be there. Have fun. And if they do lose, my advice to you is for someone to stoke the fans' anger because that's what I would have done. All right, let's sign off there. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about that game. All the basketball will be closer to well the. NCAA tournament picture uh, in focus. I'm going to study up on wrestling and learn exactly why it's okay to have all your best wrestlers at the same weight. And we'll discuss that as well. So thanks for listening. I'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers rant to participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone. Sign up at NJ.com slash insider.